Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 18, verse 9. Let's go. Verse 9, chapter 18. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So let's look at that. Verse 9. The kings of the earth, the other rulers of the world underneath the Antichrist, loved Babylon because of the money that Babylon brought to them. These kings are mighty people of the world, and they committed fornication, and they lived luxuriously with her. And wouldn't when you think about it, what are two of the greatest temptations that Americans struggle with and face and i'm sure it's true in many parts of the world if not all of the world but it, I, I live in america so i understand our culture better um than i understand other cultures so i'll say in america is one lust and two money not in any particular order but we struggle with money and if you talk to wealthy people uh super wealthy people what they'll often tell you is that they just, you know, they, they hit one level and then they just can't sleep until they hit that next level and then they hit that level and then they got to keep going until they hit the next level. It's a constant state of, I need more, I need more, I need more. There's one of the wealthiest people in the history of the world. I can't remember if it was Rockefeller. I think it was Rockefeller, but I'm not certain. And they said, how much, how much money is enough? And his answer, if I remember right, was something like just a little bit more. Um, it's just, it's not quite satisfying. And the reason I would suggest to you it's not satisfying is because we weren't built to amass wealth. We were built to worship God. We're amassing wealth if it's about us and getting more and conquering and power and look at me or I have more than him or her or them. Then it becomes about you. And it's worshiping yourself and making yourself a little God and idolizing yourself and wanting others to. So we want to be careful with luxury. We want to be careful with money. And it's okay to have money. It's not okay if money has you. So think about that. It's okay to have money if money is just a tool that you use and God works through you to use to help other people. But it's not okay if money has you, meaning it controls you. It's brings you stress often or constantly and you just can't rest from it you need more you need that car that they have you need that boat that they have you need that house that they have you need that job or that position all the covetousness and everything that comes with it then the lust the fornication the adultery all of that which is so prevalent in our culture with sex being so available to view on cell phones and TVs and hotel rooms and hookup apps and all sorts of stuff. It's uh, you know it's never been easier for people to uh, fall into that temptation. And there's more. I would argue there's more temptation than ever because it's just so easy um, and available, especially with technology. So uh, this is going to be true in the you know the last days as well in the tribulation it says the kings of the earth who committed fornication lived luxurious with her who's her that's the harlot that's what we generally refer to as babylon or religious babylon 
And they'll weep and lament for her because that religion's gone. Their commerce, commerce is about to be completely gone. And they're sad. Not really because the false religion is gone, but because they know how much money they made. They know how much uh, lust they were able to fulfill and itch that scratch um, type of deal with her around. So it says, when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city. Remember, the capital of the Antichrist will be Babylon. He won't just be a dictator of that nation, but of the entire world. It will be as if we rolled up San Francisco, Vegas, New York, London, Paris, Shanghai, etc., and took all of the fashion and commerce from each and centered them in Babylon. Babylon will be the center of the commercial world during the tribulation, and particularly during the second half of the tribulation known as the Great Tribulation. So people will flock there. People will revere it and idolize it, much like they do San Francisco, New York, Vegas, Chicago, London, Paris, Shanghai, you name it. And that will be Babylon. It won't be any of these places. It'll be Babylon. Wherever Babylon will actually be located, that's where it'll be. And remember, Jerusalem is to God as Babylon is to Satan. Uh, it, it all began there. And, uh, with, and, and I believe in that region in the Middle East is where Satan has his headquarters, if you will, and kind of goes to and fro from there. Uh, still has access to heaven, but he will lose access to heaven during the um, latter part of the tribulation. And here we go. And it says, that mighty city, for in one hour, your judgment has come. So destruction of Babylon occurs not over a period of time, but quickly. All their worldly possessions and power and position come suddenly to an end. Goodbye bank accounts. Goodbye retirement accounts. They're gone. One hour could literally mean one hour, 60 minutes, or it could mean a very short time. Either way, this is not going to be prolonged. It's not going to drag on like the Vietnam War or something like that. It is going to be just done. Done. Just gets destroyed. And Babylon's headquarters... Just go away. And so we'll see the reactions here. So it says, verse 11, And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, etc. I'll read that as we go along in a second because we'll talk about them. So it says, And the merchants of the earth... So now we're talking about commercial Babylon that will fall. So you've got the religious Babylon, which is the harlot, and then you've got what I refer to as the commercial Babylon, which is commerce and sex trade and human, human trafficking and all of that. But people will revere it and idolize it and just look up to it. Satan will have used the Antichrist for the peace agreement with Israel uh, and Palestine and the world. So there won't be the anti-Semitism, people hating Israel anymore. And that's why they're going to revere the Antichrist because they're like, no one's been able to do this and you have done it. And they'll just rally around that peace. They'll come together with all being symbiotic in their worship 
and some type of world religion, whether it's they just all, we've talked about this, it's actually one religion, or they just all just kind of coexist, if you will, if you know that bumper st- sticker, and mind their own P's and Q's and don't get into each other's business. And the that religion, the Antichrist, will use that peace and that religion to ride into enormous power. And so will the kings of the earth, the rulers around him, the ten kingdoms. And uh, you'll basically have this one world government and everybody's bowing to it somehow, some some way, I don't know, but, but it'll happen. And then mid-tribulation, the Antichrist is going to situate himself and declare himself to be God. And that's where he is super energized by Satan, or in my opinion, um, indwelled with Satan, just like someone can be demon-possessed. Demon I think that Satan will actually possess this Antichrist person. And then they turn on the world religion, that harlot, and destroy the world religion because they don't want anybody to worship anybody or anything else or any other uh, entity because Satan wants to be God and wants to be worshipped. So all worship will then be centered around Satan who is in side of the Antichrist who becomes known as the Beast. And then we'll see uh, people continue, the world continue to rally around him. They're going to have the... Um, oh, what's it called? The mark of the beast in order to buy and sell. They're going to think they're awesome. They're going to kill a lot of Christians, people who come to Christ during the tribulation. They're known as tribulation saints. If you're a Christian today, you will not be here to witness any of this because you'll have either taken your last breath and gone to heaven or you will have been uh, alive when the rapture happened and you go up to heaven. But this is for people who did not believe in Jesus at the point of the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. And then that commercial Babylon, the commerce, the the money, the all the stuff we're about to talk about just blows up, just gone. So think about this economic collapse. Things will be worthless. They will be absolutely valueless. They will have no value because there will be no demand for them anymore. Think about supply and demand if you ever took economics. No one will buy bodies and souls of men anymore. And this one is great. Why? Because it means an end to human trafficking. In Joel, we see that people are bartering a child for a bottle of wine. People don't value life, and they want abortion, euthanasia, and prostitution. All things which relegate life to being worth money, able to be bartered, and finding a zero eternal value in our current earthly fleshly life but we know that this earthly life is incredibly valuable because god put us here to confess our love for him and to share the gospel so if we believe in christ and hurriedly abort our own life for someone else's then it hampers Jesus' ability to speak through us so let's go through some of these things so we'll start back with verse 11 and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her so they're sad they're distraught that their commercial Babylon, their way to make uh, to stay luxurious and rich is gone. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. So if no one buys their merchandise, that's a demand. Look at your supply and demand curve. If there's no demand, then it's valueless. Anything that you own and could possibly supply is worth zero because no one's buying it. Verse 12, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, 
every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble. So all of that, no one's buying anymore. No one cares about it. If you're hungry and starving and you don't have a job, what's the point of having gold, silver, stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, all this stuff? None. It's not going to do anything for you. And so let's take that and parlay that into what we should all be focusing on right now, myself included. Because this is a problem that I struggle with. Uh, It's something that God's been working on and gotten me much better through the sanctification process. But I still have a long way to go because I still think about earthly things and things that I can buy and trips and stuff like that. And I don't want to. I literally don't want to. And This is a reminder. This stuff right here that we see, gold, silver, you can see it maybe in your jewelry box, uh, maybe in your safe, maybe you own some through the stock market. It trades, it has value, goes up and down, but typically up over time. Well, it just comes to an end. It's not worth anything. And just think about that, because none of this stuff that we have on earth, nothing can we take with us. I don't care what's in your safe. You can't take it with you. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. If you have $100 million, you can't take it with you. I don't care how popular you were among your social circle, and they revered you. Probably not because you're the funniest, most attractive, fun-loving person, but because you had a lot of money and you threw cool parties and you bought people stuff. And they just felt like they could name drop if they knew you. So they wanted to know you so they could name drop you to their other friends to make themselves look good. All that stuff, that power, that prestige, can't take it with you. It means absolutely nothing in heaven. In fact, if you focus on that, chances are you're not saved. You don't realize that you're a sinner in desperate need of a savior. And you'll have eternal condemnation, not in heaven, rather than eternal life in the presence of God. So 13, it says, And cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, even wine is worthless. Fine flour and wheat, gone, no one cares about it. Cattle, sheep, horses and chariots, no one cares. And bodies and souls of men. So, this is human trafficking, for example, sex trafficking and the like. Our first inheritance is eternal life. However, there are rewards beyond that based on what we did on earth that were motivated for Christ. So we can have a huge inheritance beyond our first inheritance of eternal life. Although we can't lose our first inheritance of eternal life because it's eternal, perhaps we can lose further rewards that we have previously stored up for ourselves. So store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. God remembered her inequities. He remembered her sins. The Jewish law of retribution, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, from way back to Abraham has continued today. So if you mess with Israel, you mess with God. They lived luxuriously on earth. And they already received their treasure. Those who keep their life will lose it. These are all biblical concepts. Uh, I'm saying them in some kind of quick layman's terms, but these are biblical concepts. It's, it's estimated that there are over 60 million slaves, that there were over 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That equates to 20% of the United States population, just as a barometer for you to think about. 20% of the U.S. population today is about 60 million people. That's how much many people were believed to have been slaves during the Roman Empire. Um, 10,000 slaves were auctioned every day, they believe. Sadly, there is still human trafficking today, and we ignore ignore it largely, don't we? 
Globally today, do you know that there's about 25 million people who are slaves against their will? Five million of them are uh, sex slaves, also known as victims of sex trafficking. This will continue and perhaps even get worse during the tribulation because all the Christian-led efforts to thwart human trafficking will have ceased at the point of the church being raptured. Interestingly, I want you to think about this. Many people are unknowingly chaining and restraining themselves today because of the hamster wheel. Let me explain. Lots of us spend money, so we have to work hard to pay for those bills. Then we want more, so we have to work even harder. Then we're so tired of working that we desire to be retired, so we work even harder to get to retirement. It's a slippery slope. Trust me, I know this because I work harder than I should, and it creates additional stress and tiredness in my own life at times. Think about that rat race that you may be in, the bills, the desire to retire, to retire early, but then many, if not most, of the people who hit retirement are disappointed with retirement versus their expectations. This is a huge lesson for all of us. May we help those who are literally being trafficked. May we take time from our work to enjoy, uh, and the busyness of life in order to start having joy today. I bet we could all benefit from that. We'll pick up in verse 14 tomorrow. Lord, help us to find rest in you. You say, come to me, all you who are uh, burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is life, Lord. Help us to come to you. Help us to find that rest. You give us the Sabbath for a purpose, Lord, not because we have to rest on that day, but because it's an, it's an ideal. You know that the other six days of the week we're going to be pulled in so many different directions with family and work and stuff. And you just want us to rest, Lord. Help us to rest and to know that you are the Sabbath and that we will have eternal rest in you when we take our last breath on, the thir- on this earth and our next one in heaven. Help us to make the most of our time. Help us all to realize myself first and foremost that I don't want to chase after money and power and prestige and things, Lord. It's okay to work hard for my family, but may I not want for those things. Help us to have money and for money not to have us, Lord, knowing that we can't take any of this to heaven. What we can take to heaven is people. Lastly, Lord, something that's been on my heart this week is that our deeds have zero impact on our salvation, but they could have a huge impact on our neighbor's salvation. Help us to know that we come to you through grace, by grace, through faith, not but through our, uh, through our deeds. But once we're saved, our deeds can be monumental in leading our neighbor to show them who you are, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to do that, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.